Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Jesus Podcast, riding the rodeo of religion and life. Hey, I'm very excited about this podcast. As of a podcast two episodes ago, we have reached 6,000 downloads. How about that for a for a guy in a church basement doing a recording? Some people get 6,000 episodes in the first 10 minutes of their podcast. I get that. But for little old me, I'll take 6,000 downloads. That's not bad. So thank you, all of you, for making this podcast successful. I also want to thank the sponsor of the podcast, Columbine United Church, for making it uh, available for me, a space down here in the church basement, and as well as the time and the technology to put this together. So thank you, Columbine United Church. Hey, I am not down here by myself in the church basement. I have a friend and a colleague that is with me, Jason Whitehead. Jason, it is great to have you on the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to talk a little bit about Reframe and a new worshiping community in the Presbyterian Church USA. But I want to start by having you talk about who are you? Introduce yourself. Tell us something about you. Sure. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I am grateful to be here, and I appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be with your audience and to, to be with you and have this conversation. Um, I'm a ordained Presbyterian minister, have been for a little over 20 years uh-huh, uh-huh. now. Um, my background is also as a licensed clinical social worker. Oh, cool. So when I, when I did my Master's of Divinity, I, I doubled up and did a Master's in Social Work at oh, the same cool. time. And so yeah. I've, I've uh, lived in, in both the clinical world as a, a therapist and also the, the church world as yeah. a pastor. Um, Where'd you go to seminary? I went to seminary in Richmond, Virginia at Union PSCE, and then did my Master's in Social Work at Virginia Commonwealth University. Great. And then about... How did... Yeah. How ahead. in God's name? Did you did you do them simultaneously? I, I did. Well, did them back to back. I did two years in, in my Master's of Divinity and two years in the Master's of Social Work. And so they kind of, they were nice enough to blend the credits that I had to get me out in four years. <laughs> it was a long time. Because I think about when I was in seminary, it was so time consuming. The thought of doing a second Master's on top of that you must have a larger brain than I have. Well, you know, as, as one of my supervisors once said, it's it's not about how smart you are. It's about how tenacious you are. <laughs> and so if you can you can handle kind of, of being tenacious about the work, then then you can finish your way. And that's what brought me to the Ph.D. out here in Denver about 17 uh-huh. years ago. And so I, I finished up a, a Ph.D. in uh, 2010 at Iliff School of Theology and University of Denver in religion and psychology. What was your specialty? Was it just religion and religion psychology? And pastoral theology or religion and psychology. I, either one of those, you know, play well in my, my world and in my life when I think theologically or think about people. Cool. And so, yeah. So how do you use that? All these degrees, academia, how do you use that in your life? Um, that's a good question. I, th- I think I think my spouse still asks that question. Um, how how am I going to use these, or, or how am I going to continue to use? No, these? it's like how are you going to pay for it? Well, that that's the other question. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's always an interesting conundrum when you have too much education and, and not that's enough right. sense um, right. to to deal with things. But a lot of times for me, that's that's meant uh, teaching. I've, I've taught at ILIF and I've taught at DU. Uh-huh. Um, Denver University for those yeah, of you University who of Denver, yeah. Learned. Yeah. And then um, also worked at ILIF in 
uh, student development uh-huh. in many ways. And we, uh-huh. used, we used to run a program there um, that helps students kind of understand themselves, understand uh, their triggers in places, what they, they uh, what parts of ministry will be life-giving for them and what parts of ministry might suck more life out of them right. than they want. Right. And so right. to begin to kind of build and coach into that space, uh, how, do, how are you going to be you? Right. And this, but how are you also going to live out what you feel called to right. do and do it for as long as possible? So you, you're ordained? Yes. Ordained clergy. You've been an ordained clergy for? A, a little over 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has the folk, majority of your ministry been here in Denver? The majority has, yes. Uh, uh, when I graduated from seminary, I spent about four years in Richmond working part-time in a church and part-time in a counseling center. Uh-huh. So ha- have, it, have you been focused in the academic world? Have you been a part, working in a local church? I know you're really active in the Presbytery of Denver. Um, kind of what has your ministry shaped since working in the academic world? Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to call myself a recovering academic. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a world unto itself, and it, it has right. many positive things and many things that it, it contributes. Um, one of the struggles that I had in that space, I think, uh, was it's, it's so heavily theoretically yeah, right. oriented that, right. that right. practice gets lost sometimes. Right. And that's right. not true of everybody and true of every situation. But, um, you know, I loved being there and I loved being in that thinking space. Uh-huh. Um, and when I left, I, I started realizing all the things that, that I'd missed by kind of being just really comfortable there. Right, right, cool. And so, but it, I mean, it was a wonderful place to kind of test theological ideas and play with uh, the intersections of psychology and theology, which still inform my clinical practice today, my coaching practice today. So and, that's and right, you're a coach. Frame. Tell us about being a coach. Uh, co- well, coaching is new for me. It's about three years old. I've, I've been a therapist for about 20 years, about the same amount uh-huh. of time that I've been been Private ordained. practice? You have a private practice? I, d- I do have a private practice here, and then I'm also affiliated with uh, Den- Denver Men's Therapy uh-huh. here in, in uh-huh. the Denver area. Um, but I forgot coaching, the question. Coaching, 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 coaching. Yes. Um, coaching is, is really fascinating for me as an addendum to therapy. Uh-huh. Um, it, it really kind of embodies an asset based way of thinking of thinking of people and thinking with people right. and imagining with people requires a completely different emotional intelligence and energy to really intersect with, uh-huh. um, as I like to tell folks, you know, you know, my goal is to, to understand where you are and understand the vision of where you want to be right. and then help you, help you figure out the gifts, talents, the things you need to do to get there. Yeah. You and know, so, I'm, all, I'm also consider myself a life coach, been certified. So yeah. I'm always fascinated. Maybe another time we'll do another podcast mm-hmm. to talk about life coaching and coaching in general. That's fascinating. Yeah. But the reason why we wanted to do this podcast is because we wanted to talk about Reframe and yep. a new worshiping community, this yep. brainchild that you have that is truly sure. fascinating. And it's it's uh, kind of shaping a lot of the new age 
network of the Presbyterian Church USA, as well as churches across the United States, is remorphing the concept of of what is church and how we do church. Mm -hmm. So I want to start by having you talk about what is a new worshiping community in the Presbyterian Church USA? What is it? Um, I'll answer what I understand, because okay. uh, there are a lot more people knowledgeable out there that, that would know how to, to say that better than I would. But I would say that a new worshiping community is a, a way of expressing faith and theology that is sometimes lacking in legacy churches, churches that, that have long histories and long stories about who they are. So we're talking about like brick-and-mortar churches in the city? I, I think sometimes brick-and-mortar churches. It could be strip mall churches. It, it, yeah, it, any, but Anything that has a lot of history. You know, the more history we have, uh-huh. the, the stronger the story becomes. Right. Because we tell it over and over, over, and over again. Right. And so, you know, new worshiping communities in the Presbyterian Church, the, the initiative's about 10 years old, as I mm-hmm. understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these new expressions... Uh, are kind of generated out of people's contexts rather than generated out of what the church wants, if that makes sense, or what a legacy church wants. So we used to have in the Presbyterian Church what they call new church developments. Right, and which is people who want to go out and start a new brick-and-mortar church, brick and mortar church in and that a was new the community. Way. Exactly. Right. You know, we, we saw, you see growth, and you do your data points, and you, you buy the land, and you build a brick-and-mortar church, and you hope people come to it. Right. That, right. That's the way that— And if, if you build it, they will come. Exactly. And for years and years and years, that's how the Presbyterian Church started new churches. As well as— the UCC and the, the United Methodist, Methodist Church, Church and the Lutheran the, Church, yeah. the pretty, Baptist Church, everybody. Pretty much every mainline church or any, in fact, evangelicals and other folks kind right. of use that. You know, we see people and therefore we want to gather people in a building. Right. Um, and that's how we started community and thought about community. Uh-huh. And so about 10 years ago, the New Worshiping Community Initiative came alongside the new church development piece. And now it's kind of, I, I would say, usurped it. Yeah, because, I mean, in some ways, one of the things I like about the Presbyterian Church USA is that I think it realized, I don't know, 15 years ago, that what we were doing was not working. New church development, creating new churches, just flat out wasn't working. We were investing a ton of money in it, a ton of money, ton Mm -hmm. ton of time. Educating people, hiring people, putting them in communities, mm-hmm. and it just flat out wasn't working. Yeah. And the Presbyterian Church says the denomination was radically dying. Mm-hmm. And somehow, someone, somewhere along the way say, said, we got to try something new. Right. And so my understanding is that out of that came this whole notion of let's see what people on their own can yeah. create if we just— Give them funding and let them create. Right. We see. Well, let's see what they can do. Yeah. Well, it's, what, yeah. It's a, it's a great experiment in theological imagination. So, like, what if? What are some of the new worshiping communities? Are you aware of other new worshiping? Uh, communities? Sure. I mean, you know, I think in the in in our regional body, the Denver Presbytery, I think we've got around ten, uh-huh. maybe eleven. Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. 
if, if I remember correctly, roughly about half of those are actually immigrant communities. Uh-huh, right. Um, and, and started out of um, populations who've immigrated to America and who have histories in the Presbyterian right. Church. Right, uh, Others of them, you know, I, I know here we have a, a paddleboarding shop. Yeah, I heard about that. Does that. What so is a paddleboarding shop doing... Ministry, well, tell me about well, that. You know, I, I, the, the Heimers can tell you much more about that than than <laughs> I can. Um, you Who know, are my, they? They're the, the that's the that's the leaders. Uh, uh-huh. Nathan and Mindy Heimer, I believe, are the, the uh-huh. leaders of that. Um, and what you find with a lot of new worshiping communities are communities where the leadership is is bivocational. Which means which, which basically means that they have other jobs besides okay. just working in right. the church, like okay. like me. I, you know, I, I have a, a private, private clinical pra- practice, and I do some consulting and coaching and other stuff like that. And then reframe is part uh-huh. of the work I do. So, uh-huh. You know, it, the, the grants that we get and the money we get can't afford to hire a full time pastor right. to do right. that, that work. Right. And so, uh, like the paddleboard shop helps fund. <laughs> Awesome. The the I, th- I think they do a, a yoga ministry with that, or do That's yoga awesome. on paddle boards where they they invite oh, you're the community kidding out me. and do that. Um, I want to so, sign up for that well, church. Yeah, please I, I, talk to Mindy. I think I think she's the one who runs that. If I if I am remembering correctly, but you know we've got. Uh, I think that sounds a much better. I'll do a sermon on a paddleboard any days. Well, I th- and and it's interesting because you know the way that I I talk about it with other folks is um, being in a new worshiping community offers the privilege of being able to build the story. Yeah. Rather than having to live someone else's story. Right. Right. And so right. there there is a freedom in that in many ways to. But listen to how the Spirit's moving to construct from the ground up the kind of community that you want to have versus inheriting right. a community or inheriting a neighborhood or whatever that right. that might be. So it's it's exciting in, in that way. It's also really scary in that way as well because there's not a lot of safety net. No, there's no that. safety net. Right. When you're creating, you when you're the visionary, yes. you're walking the tightrope and— there ain't no one on the or you're on a right. trapeze, and you're going to from one trapeze to the other, but there's no one there to catch you, right. and there's no net below you. Exactly, all the tension and all the anxiety of sustainability and yeah. connections and all yeah. that stuff uh, really falls on the leadership of that. Right. Um, and so it's it's been. I mean, it's been wonderful uh, as an introvert. It's it's awesome, um, <laughs> in, in many ways. Uh, but you know, I, I will say, yeah, it's stressful sometimes trying to think not just think about and imagine what we're doing, but try to project into the future what that that looks like and and how do you make something like that sustainable? Because grants are time limited. Right. And and they're not there forever. And right. so, you know, part of the the new worshiping community ethos is that you move from imagination and idea to sustainable community right. on your own. Right. Um, you know, I, and I think it's it's interesting there's a I think there's a tension in the church about new worshiping communities because the church wants them a lot of times to charter and just become regular old churches so that right. we can count the membership. Right. Um, which doesn't work. Which doesn't work. For I almost stopped counting membership here at Columbine because it just doesn't work. Right. It's right. too fluid. Exactly. Well, and it doesn't, it doesn't, numbers don't speak to vitality. Right. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a curious thing because I, I think 
like you talked about earlier with the church on its kind of downward spiral when it comes to membership and influence and, and um, responsiveness in the community, you know, as I used to tell folks, you know, we don't have a seat at the table and we're not even invited to have right. conversations right. about meaning and other things in, in the world these days, especially a lot of the mainline churches aren't because we just don't have the, the small p political voice and power to speak something important. It's not that we don't have important things to say. We don't have the audience yeah. to, to say it with. And so, you know, I think a lot of people look at new worshiping communities as ways to bolster membership. Right. And, and as, as though that gives it. us voice. And, and I think there's been, I think, over 700, almost 800 wow. of the 1,001 in the initiative started so far. And I think of that, about 600 and something are still going wow. on. Um, That's great. At, at this point. Um, and so it's, it's curious, you know, when I talk with my colleagues, none of them have, have designs to charter Ever. Right, no, they should. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. I, I mean, I think, and I think um, there is value in not, and in seeing yourself both a part of and apart from. Right, right. Um, seeing yourself as, as uh, moving within a community, but also being able to step back and observe the community and say, okay, well, that's not me, or that's not us, or that's not our intent. Right. In some ways, and that's that's a great privilege of being in a new worshiping community. So the cool thing about reframe and what mm -hmm. you did is instead of doing a paddleboard, <laughs> where there's some place that you go to and you hop on a paddleboard and you go do yoga or whatever, mm -hmm. you went virtual. Yes, you went. You decided to do virtual ministry. You had a brainchild of doing something online, creating an app, and creating literally a virtual community that goes beyond the Presbyterian Church USA and has a stretch all over the place. That's so, the hope, yeah. So talk about the brainchild. How did you come up with the idea sure. of going virtual? So um, this is, you know, uh, this is a COVID baby oh. in, in many ways. Uh -huh. So, uh -huh. um, you know, it was, it was probably around the end of March or early April of 2020, you know, after we'd been in lockdown for about a month. Uh -huh. um, and, and I was talking with a friend and I said, you know, if I never see another Zoom worship service, it'll be too soon. <laughs> um, yeah. And as, as one who created those, it was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Well, this and, just and sucks. It, it, we had to pivot really quickly uh -huh. uh, on, on a dime, um, how we did ministry and how we thought about ministry. Um, and part of the privilege of, of being in clinical practice and, and being not in that legacy church is that I have the opportunity to be creative, whereas others really just had to, to figure out the logistics. Right, right. Um, and, and I admire all those pastors who pivoted and did the best they could and worked with what they had at that time. Um, and, you know, the way that I put it in my mind was that we imported and we didn't really innovate. Huh. It was, it was a great opportunity to innovate worship and what worship uh -huh. could be in a different space. Uh -huh. But most of the spaces that I went to just kind of took their bulletin and recorded it. Right, right. 
Right. I mean, but that was what the energy and the time that we right. had. And, and that's, again, part of my ability to be step outside is to, to, to say, OK, well, what does innovation look like? What does this look like differently? And so a couple of thoughts came to mind when that was uh, going on this early part of this. And um, one of the big ones was accessibility, is that when and if we ever come back as the church, um, and, and gather in community in person, they're going to be people physically who can't do that. Right. Right. Um, we saw it. We saw that here yeah. at Columbine. Well, yeah. And, right. and, you know, all the studies were saying that, that most churches would lose about 25%. That's that, where that, we did. That's that, where we did. They, were, they just weren't coming back because yeah. new habits and new routines had been established in that, yeah. that meantime. I think the Alban Institute did some studies around that. Um, and then the third piece, so we had accessibility, we had people not coming back. And the third piece was actually grief and, and anger and trauma. Huh. Because for years, the church told people who could no longer come that we just can't come to you. Right. And in a week, they did. Right. And then they're going to pull the rug out and take that back because we're going to start highlighting in-person community right. again. Because that's right. all we could talk about right. was, you know, we can't wait to get back. Can't wait to get and, back. And these folks who had been a part of a community and were suddenly apart and we're going to have that taken away. Right. There's going to be some grief and anger and trauma around that towards the church. And so you decided, a brainchild, so, so to I, create an, an alternative yeah. virtual community where people didn't need to, quote unquote, go back. Right. They so, could yeah, go forward. Exactly. You know, my, my hope in all of this was... Um, those that weren't coming back didn't lose faith or didn't lose a pursuit of meaning, didn't lose a sense of God being in their lives. Um, they just wouldn't have it in that regular way that they had before. And so my thought was, how do we create that? How do, so, how do we build that space where people can uh, intersect with something that's meaningful to them and continue to form and develop? So you've you created Reframe. So tell us so, about yeah, Reframe. So, so tell yeah. us about it. So so Reframe is is an app, and you'll find it in the Google Play Store and in the Apple Store. Um, and every Monday through Friday, uh, we have seventeen authors who are from uh, quite diverse backgrounds. There, uh, you know, our, our leadership and content creation team are people of color. They're queer people. They're um, folks with different neuro and physical abilities uh -huh. along the way. So, so we've been able to pull together this really diverse team of writers. Are they all PCUSA? They're not. They're, they're ecumenical. Some are ex-evangelical. Some are, you know, we've got a, got a vineyard pastor in there, wow. a, a couple Baptists that we, wow. you know, throw in, some Presbyterians, <laughs> uh, an Episcopalian, um, a couple UCC folks. Wow. You know, we, we, I'm on the constant very lookout eclectic, for, very new, for new writers. Yeah, mostly yeah. female, a couple non-binary, uh, just a few men in there. Fantastic. Um, and so uh, every Monday through Friday at 8 a.m., we, we publish what we call a frame, which is about 100 to 150 word prompt based off of scripture uh -huh. that always ends with a coaching question. Uh -huh. So uh, when, I, when I talk to folks, they're like, oh, you created a devotional. And I'm like, well, no, um, because devotionals call us to think. Call us to what? To think. To think. To think. You know, to, 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 to think about our faith. Right, and, right. And to me, you know, what was highlighted in, in COVID and in culture was um, the ability to practice. 
And so, you know, building off of psychological research on tiny habits and how do we build new habits, um, we built Reframe to create the, basically to create faith practices every day. So people, they have the app, they download the app, they it comes as a message to them, or do they have to go to the app themselves? Well, yeah, they'll get, they'll get a notification, notification at 8 o'clock right. every morning with, you know, sometimes it's a coaching question, sometimes it's a prompt just to get mm-hmm. in the app and, and read the other, read mm-hmm. what our authors have, have written. Um, what they write always ends in a, a, a space of how can you better embody your faith and values mm-hmm. in the world that you live in, whether you're going to work, how can you, uh, and our uh, you know, as I, as I continue to kind of play with who we are and our voice, you know, it really comes down to two things. It's how do we build a more compassionate and how do we build a more just world? Mm-hmm. That's and, a great vision. And that's that's pretty much the focus of a lot of our writers. And, and uh, you know, they're cautioned in some ways to, to treat this like a voicemail message that they uh-huh. leave a friend. It's, uh-huh. it's not deep, high theological thought, It's, it, but it is deeply theological. Where would you say on the theological spectrum does it fall? Oh, progressive, um, conservative, evangelical, ex-evangelical, uh, all of the it's above? It's progressive in our, in our theology, uh-huh. conversational in our tone. Uh-huh. Um, but really, for me, it focuses on relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that's the crux of, of any vital spirituality for me is is relationship. One, it's it's relationship with our faith and with our values and how we live those. That's that's the personal side of relationship right. and, and with with God and whatever word we use for that spirit, other things like that. Um, and the other piece that that we're still working on and, and I think that's part of our our experiment together is, you know, how do we create little pockets of what I'm calling reframers reframers nowadays yeah. Yeah. that that you know go and meet for coffee and and talk about what they read in the app that week and say well I really like this or I really tried this and it are didn't people work. doing that we, we are working with groups to try to to pilot test some of wow, those because that really would be great to go from the virtual to a face-to-face yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's funny, you know, we, we launched our new app in, in November. We had an, a, an old kind of legacy app, and we not launched with some new technology in, in November, which allows for a discussion board, and we have some interaction on that. We're trying to figure out how to build that that better in there for folks who don't have local communities that they mm-hmm. can go to. Um, but in in being able to do that, we also have the opportunity to – you know, if a legacy church wants to add this to a faith formation program mm-hmm. and wants to give content to the people that they that they live and breathe and move with, you know, we have the opportunity to build private groups in there where your church or your small community can chat. Do you think together. this is uh, going to create a vitality within the brick-and-mortar legacy churches? I, I think there's opportunity for that. You know, for me— the the app in and of itself is for those who don't have that space, but uh-huh. have this sense that there's something, I'm called to be something better, bigger, whatever word you want to use than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my my theology revolves around complexity and my psychology revolves around simplicity. 
mm-hmm. um, that that the more the the more complex our stories, the better we understand the mysteries that we're living in, uh-huh. and and the more simple we try to create practices around that, the better we are able to habitually live into that complexity with some flexibility. So, do you think that that's what um, is happening with the app? That people are going from the complexity to the simplicity, and through the daily reminder that it's just kind of this, as you said. Drip, 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 yeah. habit forming. I'm going to do this every single day and this gentle reminder. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping so. That's, that's the, that is the hypothesis of the experiment, if, uh-huh. if we want to say it uh-huh. at the end of the day. You know, I think in part um, what we're, you know, what I've learned in talking with, with some folks is, is that, you know, they, they come in some days and they're out some days. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly fine. You know, this is, this is not something that you, you know, have to be there every day. We will be there every day. Uh-huh. We will be there every Monday through, through Friday, every week of the year. Um, but you may come in and there may be times where you're more open and available to that experimentation or that trying something new in faith. And there may be times when you just need to rest. Right. Is it taking off? You have people signing so, up? You know, we do. It's, it's interesting. Um, since November, so we're, we're coming up on one, two, so about four months, uh, we had roughly 400 people sign oh, up for the app. That's great. Uh, we have an average. This is the first time I've done a podcast on this. Wow. And the first time I've really kind of like publicly done something that hasn't been with friends or right. people in a, a smaller community. Right. So people are finding us. I, I probably know about, probably know less than 10% of those 400 people in the app. Wow. And so it's kind of, is it it's, primarily located in the metropolitan Denver area? Is it branching as out? As far as I know, it's all over the place. I, oh, I, that's I, great. I'm working on the, the, there's an ability to do a mapping feature in it. So I'm working on that so that we can be able to kind of see where people are. In, in the world. And then we also, you know, as a, as a supplement to it for folks who don't want to be on their phones more, we have a Substack as well, which is Substack is basically a, an e-newsletter uh-huh. that gets sent out every morning. Uh-huh. And so you, you can get the same reframe content in your email inbox. And, you know, my hope is that when you have breakfast or your morning coffee, you sit and read 100 to 150 words. It really is uh, the way that I, I couch it with folks, if you think about 1% of your day right. and trying to get 1% better, right? well, 1% of a day is 14 minutes. Right. And it probably takes people two minutes to read and maybe think a, or imagine kind of a commitment or a habit or something right. they want to try that day. Right. Um, so we, you can give us two minutes in the morning and then, you know, in the afternoon, spend eight to 10 minutes trying to practice it. Right. Just, so again, it's that habit forming. It's, that it's, it's day about day in, day and, and out, just incremental small habits that we want to try. I mean, all of our life, in my estimation, is experimental, right? Because we don't know what the day is going to unfold around us with what kind of experiences, what's going to happen. All we can do is be present to what's going on in those. So in those it times. could it be like so you read the you read the devotion in the morning. Frame. To, We're going to stay away from devotion. Okay, frame. You yeah. read the frame yeah. in the morning, and then you live your day. Yeah. And, then, and then you check back up, and it reframes right. your day. 
Yeah, that's that's the intent. So, you know, our rhythm is we'll send you a notification around eight o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. You you come in the app and you maybe spend two, three minutes max. I mean, the, the readings are small intentionally mm-hmm. because when we're building habits, the more incremental they are, the more likely they are to stick because we have a habit of, you know, big goals or anything like that. I don't want big goals. I just want people who practice their faith with compassion and justice. That, that, that is the entirety of my goal for this app and this particular community. And are you then, getting? Are you get, I'm sorry. I go, ahead, you. No. go ahead. Are you getting feedback from users? So that's, that's our next thing. Is, okay. is, is we'll have a survey coming out probably soon in the app for folks to see how they're using it, where they're using it, what what they're connecting with it, and and where we can continue to grow. I mean, all of this is an iteration. Um, you know this, and what I mean by that is is um, if there's not dialogue then it's just a soliloquy or a sermon or it, it's it's a, a one-way street. Right. And so that capacity to kind of build in some dialogue, which is why, you know, we want to figure out how to encourage local communities to meet around this. And, and right. folks who maybe aren't in church anymore, but, you know, use Reframe around the dinner table. Right. With their kids. Right. Um, to, to talk about faith. And then, you know, at 730 at night, we send a reflection question, mm-hmm. which is basically a, you know, what worked today? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What didn't work? What What do you want to try new tomorrow? So again, a reframe. A reframe. It's it's all you know. The, the The idea is to frame your day in faith. Yeah, yeah. And so our our frames try to do that rather than thinking about your to do list or thinking about the meetings that are coming up. Give yourself two minutes to think about you know where and how is God speaking in this moment or how is the Spirit moving in this moment, and. From that, then start to think about your meetings and think about the people that you're interacting with and how does who you are and what you believe and what you value impact those interactions. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a process theology thing in many ways, which is, is a theology that's vital to me. Vital to that, me as that, well. That, um, you know, the butterfly that flaps its wings in Japan creates the tornado in Kansas kind of right. thing. That the world changes through the small ways that we treat each other because when we treat each other with compassion and justice other people are often called to either wonder about that or to treat other people with compassion and justice as well you know the, i know that you uh you connect with matt Matts and you've talked from this reminds yeah. me of a podcast i did with matt about his uh Kind of virtual church called right, between. between. Yeah, between. Yeah. Matt and I meet pretty regularly. Oh, so, do you? It's yeah. kind of because you would spark. This is kind of you. I can just see both of your minds sparking off <laughs> one another as far as you're trying to do similar alternative mm-hmm. Christian community or faith. Not even Christian faith community. Yeah. Around. It. So, do you think like one of the things that I um, I have a a, a person who. He lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. That is describes himself as a done, a D-O-N-E. I am yep. done with mainline churches. I want nothing more to do with it. I realize every, all the money is going into paying salaries, mortgages, and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I just don't want to put my money or my time into that. So he yep. said he's done. 
But then he he told me, he said, but I'm really lonely. I'm looking for some type of community. So I hooked him up with Reframe. And I said, try this. See what it's like. See if it can hook you up with something spiritual that will prompt your thinking, get you Mm -hmm. thinking, get you connected in some way, shape, or form. Do you find it attractive to a lot of done people? That's, I think that's who we're primarily attracting now um, in, in the sense that, um, you know, some of our writers are evangelical. What is evangelical? We talk a lot about that on the podcast. Yeah, the, the, way, I, the way I understand it is um, they are, there are folks who have over time found the theology of the evangelical church not to fit their life experience right. in a way that creates a living God. Right. And and creates a living faith. What it what it does instead is kind of hymns in the way the way that I, I talk to some folks about that now is uh, we have a habit of of building an ice cube out of God. Yeah. It's it's contained and it's brittle and right. you know when it hits the floor it cracks and right. it breaks. Frozen chosen. Yeah, well I think that, I think that that fits Presbyterian, but I think it also fits these kind of rigid Right. We make God small. Right. Because a small God is containable and I can have power over a small God. Right. Um, and the, the way that I like to 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 conceptualize it and I'm still working on this is is God's more like a water balloon. Huh? Uh, you, you, you know when it hits you, it's a little surprising sometimes. And when it explodes around, it just covers everything and seeps uh-huh. everywhere. And you can't contain. Yeah. As much as you try to, to contain God. Image. You know, that, that water flows everywhere into all the cracks and it, it covers things. And, and and it's playful. I mean, how can you not smile when you're playing yeah. with water balloons? That's right. You know, when you're playing with snowballs, sometimes you smile, but that, that, you get hit by an That's ice right. ball and it's painful. That's right. Um, and so that idea to me that spirituality and faith and practice is meant to be expansive. It, it's, it's meant to, to grow and flow into unexpected places. It's not meant to be contained and hemmed in. And for me, that idea of people being able to go to their friends and say, you know what, I'm trying this. I don't know if it's going to work, but will you try it with me? That's great. And and that's, you know, when it, when it comes back to psychological research, that actually is how habits are formed, is when we ask someone or when we tell someone that we're going to do something new. Right. You know, it's a, that, that opportunity or that sense to be accountable to somebody else. And so we create our discussion board in the Reframe app if, if people don't have somebody right now that they want to tell, I'm going to try this new habit today. That's great. And so, you know, but at the end of every reframe, you'll see, you know, you want to start a new habit, share it with somebody. Uh-huh. Look across the, the breakfast room table or at your barista and say, you know what, I'm going to try to be a little more compassionate today and you look nice or this was a really good coffee or whatever it is right. that that is in that moment that connects us to other people because it's in doing and saying that the world we want to build is created. That's great. Okay, so someone's listening to this podcast yeah. and they're curious about Reframe. Yep. They might be a part of a legacy or brick and mortar mm-hmm. church and they're kind of going, 
you know, I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for something different. Or maybe you're a D-O-N-E. You are done. You are just, you don't want to do mainline church, but you still consider yourself a person of faith. So they're like, huh, I'm going to hook into Reframe. How do you do it? So Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, you can Uh can go out to either of those um, places and just search Reframe. Uh Uh-huh. And, and, you know, you scroll down the list. We're a little down the list since we're still a pretty new app. Um, but you'll see our, our kind of blue, blue-green logo. Uh-huh. Um, and you'll actually, it's, it's actually, you'll find us under health and fitness. Okay. So most religious apps are actually found under education or reference. Um, I, I intentionally chose health and fitness because I think spiritual fitness and spiritual health matters. Yeah. And it's a part of an integrated sense of who we are. And so I've had some questions about that. You know, why are you under health and fitness? I expected you to find, find you under reference because we're not a devotional. Yeah. I love that. That that it's not a devotional. Yeah. We we are a faith-based coaching app. Yeah. If you really want to nuts and bolts us down to the end, but you can go out to those stores and you'll find us there and just download us. Um, If if you're not an app person or a phone person, you can go to liferefrained.substack.com and and you'll get... Say that again. That's kind of a mouthful. Mouthful. So liferefrained.substack.com. Substack. Substack. S U B S T A C K. Okay. So dot com. Dot com. And you can sign up for our our morning blast, and you'll you'll get the same content that you would get in the app. You just don't get the same interaction. And so, if you know, if you just want the content for now, then then go out there and experiment with it. But yeah, please join us. You can ask questions. Um, uh, there's a, a place in the app where you can send me a, an email or an I was inquiry. just going to ask, can they contact you directly yeah. if they have questions, thoughts, insights? Uh, be happy to. There's a, a little, they call it a hamburger menu. So the three lines in the right. top right corner, it should have a little space that says contact us. Great. Um, and that, that gets directly in touch with me and, and uh, our leadership team. And so be happy to, to talk about this or... or Imagine with you how this can make your community, your life, your world a little bit different every day. Jason, this is fascinating. I love your creativity. I love your vision. I love how this is um, helping not just the Presbyterian Church USA, but maybe kind of Christendom in general as we start morphing into a whole new way of being beyond the legacy brick and mortar uh, church building. That's great. Thank you for joining me on the Cowboy Jesus podcast. Thank you for the invitation. You can also find the Cowboy Jesus blog that's usually published once a week or every other week. I publish it um, usually on Facebook. That's the best way to hook into it. You can also come to Columbine United Church either face-to-face or virtually. Either way, uh, you can stream us online, but we would love to have you connect in some way, shape, or form. You can Contact me at stepoosbenson at me.com. Thank you for listening and joining us today. Take care until the next episode.